All right, we're doing Psalm 103. So open your Bibles, get them out, Psalm 103. We're gonna start with a little bit of a time of prayer before we dive into Psalm 103. And then again, we're gonna do the music at the end. As you're turning to Psalm 103, let me set this up for you. This Psalm I picked for this day because it follows right on the hills of Psalm 90. So last time we did Psalm 90, these flow nicely together. They both touch on the forgiveness of sin. They both touch on the Lord's love and mercy. They both talk about our brief life. And so you can still remember the rope that we had last time, the brevity of human life. And they both touch on the Lord's rule overall. Now, a unique thing about this psalm is that there are no requests in it. So a lot of the psalms that we go to, we're we're reading them and we're reading prayers from various people and there were requests made from God. But what we see in this particular psalm is it's really all about praising God. And then our points that we're gonna get to are gonna be why we should praise God with every fiber of our being. We're gonna look at some of the personal benefits that God provides to those who fear him, to those in a new covenant language who have repented of their sins and put their faith in Christ. We're gonna look at God's character. We're gonna look at God's universal rule. But in order to do that, I think we need to start with prayer and posture our hearts to listen to what the Lord may have to say to us today about where we are in our praise with the Lord. And so we're gonna go to prayer. I'm gonna give you time to pray some as well as I kind of guide us and lead us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, would you help us to humble our hearts before you? Lord, we're so quick to be prideful. We are so quick to make flippant, arrogant comments because we think too much of ourselves. Lord, would you help us to see our own selves clearly, our own souls clearly? Would you help us to recognize that humanity all throughout history has been a fickle people, a faithless people, quick to turn away from you, quick to turn to the things of this world that so easily distract us. Lord, we're quick to be double-minded. We're quick to try to have one foot in the world and one foot in the gospel. We're unstable as James talks about us. Lord, would you help us just to humble ourselves before you and confess that that's who we are. And Lord, you already know it because you know all things. Lord, would you help us this morning to see a glimpse of you for who you are. The great, perfect, holy, righteous God. A God that combines justice and righteousness with mercy and forgiveness. A God that is sovereign over all that we can't relate to. Yet a God that eminently is close to us in our times of trouble and that loves us unconditionally with a steadfast love that's everlasting. God, our minds can't really fathom all of these things. But today, would you help us to do the hard work of thinking deeply about who we are and who you are and about the gospel? And then would you help us as we sing towards the end of the time to worship you not just with our voices, to worship you not just with words, but Lord, to allow our minds to focus on who you are and who we are, to give you the praise that you deserve, to allow 
our very soul, our emotion, our feelings, our thoughts, our reason, all to come together to praise you because you are worthy. Lord, would you allow us to put our thoughts aside of all the different tests and activities and trips and all the things that are happening just to give you this time so that we can worship you. For you're a God that's not does not deserve half-hearted praise or half-hearted worship. You deserve everything we have, so let us give you our best during this time. And then, Lord, as our students travel over spring break, I pray that two things. I pray for safety for them, that you would take them safely to where they're going and bring them back safely here. And, Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart like yours to encourage others, to love others, to share the gospel with others, and help us to take great joy in it. Help us to take joy in the fact that we get to serve you, that we get to take part in your eternal purposes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, let's read our text, Psalm 103. If you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? As we read this text, pay attention to the inclusio, the beginning and the end. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Everything else is framed within it. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He who forgives all your iniquity. He who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it's gone. His place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord. O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You may be seated.
All right, main idea, as you may have already figured out, is praise the Lord with every fiber of our being. You can rephrase this in any way you want to. The main idea is right there in the very beginning, bless the Lord, O my soul. So what does it mean to bless the Lord, O my soul? The soul, especially in the Old Testament here, is all of us. It's everything we have. It's everything we are. So this is digging down deep. In sports, we would talk about dig deep to give everything you possibly have. Maybe if you're singing a song, which I know nothing about, but if you're singing a song, maybe you, you pull down to everything you've got to hit that note and to hit it with the, the right level of clarity and, and loudness and you project your voice in just such a way that you're giving it everything you have. You're running that cross-country race and it's not going well. And you dig deeper to keep going so that you pass that finish line, and when you pass that finish line, your legs give out, and there's a step and a step, and then there's the, you gave it everything you had. Why is it that it's easy for us to give it everything we have when it comes to athletics, or perhaps when it comes to music or an instrument, perhaps even when it comes to academics? You get to finals, you pull an all-nighter because this matters. I'm gonna give every ounce of my mind to this task. Hopefully it's not because you procrastinated to the very last minute, but you're gonna give every ounce of who you are to the task because you know it's important. And then how many times do we show up to worship the Lord and it's just like, yeah, I'm here. The Psalm reminds us, bless the Lord, O my soul. So praise the Lord with all that you are, with all that you have, with your reason, with your emotion, with your will, with everything you can muster. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And there are reasons why we should do this, and we're going to look at these briefly. The reasons given in our text, verses one through five, God's personal benefits to us. I know that can sound a little selfish, but... God has been gracious to us and good to us, so we recognize what he has done and we give him praise and glory because of it. God's character, we see that in verses six through 18. And then God's universal reign. Everything that is wrong with this world will one day be made right because he is the ultimate king. Everybody that's worried about what's gonna happen, we know what's gonna happen. One day he's gonna make it all new because he is the king who reigns. So we start with Psalm 103, verses one through five, and we look at the personal benefits. So let's just look at what it means to bless, because bless the Lord's in the beginning, it's in the end. If you don't understand what it means to bless, like that's not a word I use all the time. I, I say my blessing. When I say my blessing over my food, I'm basically giving thanks for the food. And you know, we all have these prayers that we memorize or that we say, and Sometimes it's just something we do and we don't even think about it. We just regurgitate words. And so what does it mean to bless the Lord? So I've got a slide for you. As we think about blessing the Lord, we're gonna see that in verse one, verse two, verse 20, 21, and 22. And it's an imperative. What is an imperative? An imperative is a command. So when the writer is writing here, bless the Lord, you are commanded. I am commanded to bless the Lord. So the NIV uses the word praise. Praise we can think about in a different way because we, 
We think about praise as singing praise music because that's the words that we use. But praising the Lord is more than just music. It's more than just singing. It's more than just words. It's actually with all that we are having gratitude. So I've accumulated a lot of the different commentaries and what they tried to say about this to give us an understanding here of what it is. So how would we think about blessing the Lord? It's an expression of love and gratitude for all he is and does. So that means we have to think deeply about who he is and what he does in order to return that true praise to him. It's true praise from a grateful heart. So that grateful heart recognizes who I am and how hopeless and helpless I am and who he is and how gracious he is so that I'm gonna return praise to him. That grateful heart sincerely seeking to glorify, to lift up, to declare his righteousness throughout this world and to please the Lord. So if I'm seeking to please the Lord, it's more than just words that aren't backed up by actions. There are actions here that need to be consistent with the words that I'm giving so that my life lives according to his commands, does what he would want us to do. Adore with bended knee. It's a good picture of love and humility Praise or thanksgiving resulting from the contemplation of God's holy character. So let's look at what it says now. Bless the Lord, O my soul, with all that is within me. All that is within me is another way of of explaining what it means to do this with O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So repeat it again right there in verse two. And what does it say? Forget not all his benefits. Now how forgetful are we? We wake up. We have things going on in life. We forget all the things that the Lord's done for us. You've heard the saying before, preach the gospel to yourself regularly. That doesn't mean you need to get saved again. That means it's good for us to remind ourselves of who we are and what the Lord has done so that we serve him in a way that is pleasing to him, that is honoring to him. And so here the writer, and then they're singing this. They're saying, forget not all his benefits. So what are his benefits is the logical question. And we get five. So five benefits. The first we see here in verse three, who forgives all your iniquity. Can we just praise the Lord for that? I mean, we are sinners with absolutely no hope. We have nothing we can do. The one sin separates us from a holy and righteous God. We are separated from our creator and there's nothing we can do about it. And yet the first thing we praise him for is that he forgives all your iniquities. Continues on. He heals all your diseases. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, wait a second. He doesn't heal every single disease. I understand. Paul had the thorn in the flesh. David had a child who died. God has the ability to heal anything he wants to heal. And let me just say to you, we're not not a Pentecostal institution that believes that you should have a healing meeting where somebody comes forward and everybody gets healed. We don't, if people have that power, I encourage them to go to the hospitals and heal people like that's not us. But at the same time, listen, we still believe that God is the great physician and if God chooses to heal somebody in a hospital, he can heal somebody. If God chooses to use the doctors, he can use the doctors. And so we're, we don't need to back so far away from the spirit that we're scared of God actually doing something for his glory and for his honor to people says that God heals all your diseases. Verse four, who redeems your life from the pit, redemption, 
This is a huge theological concept. We don't have time to unpack it. But from the pit, it's a synonym for talking about the grave. We have a God who has risen from the grave and who has told us that we will rise from the grave. Listen, if you have no other reason to praise the Lord, you have reason to praise the Lord because you're not gonna stay in whatever grave it is that you end up in. There is coming a day where all will rise, and there is a day where we spend eternity with the everlasting God who has everlasting love. And then not only does he do this, but he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And then he satisfies you with good. Think about this fact. Who am I? I am a rebel against the king. I am a traitor. I am a sinner. I do what I want to do more times than I don't. I reject God. I push back against God. And God in his mercy comes to this earth in the form of a baby, grows up, dies a humiliating death on the cross so that I can be reconciled to him. And instead of just barely reconciling this traitor to him, He not only reconciles us to him, but then he promises us he's gonna raise us from the dead and give us everlasting life. And then instead of just doing that, he then bestows upon us all of these good gifts, this steadfast love, and then he gives us things that are good. So recognize this, if God's giving you good things, what's the devil doing? Live a life with wisdom. Because the devil is the father of lies and the ultimate deceiver and he's gonna tell you things that are not true about you and he's gonna undermine you and think about all the things the devil can get you into. He wants to get you addicted into drugs because there's a spiral that will ultimately destroy you. He wants to get you addicted into pornography because there's a spiral that will ultimately destroy you. He wants to get you involved in things that he presents at the very beginning as good and you partake in that And then you say, oh, to get that same level of of pleasure, I've got to go one step deeper and one step deeper and one step deeper. And you just keep spiraling out of control because all the devil wants to do is destroy you. And all God does to us is he satisfies us with good. Why? Who am I that God should be mindful of me? Who am I that God should redeem me? Who am I that I should let the little trivial problems of this world distract me from the praise of a God who loves me in this way? Oh, friends, he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants me. Nobody cares for me. You just don't know. I know there's a God that loves you just the way you are. There's a God that sent his son to die on the cross for you with the ultimate love. There is a God who accepts you and crowns you with steadfast love and gives you satisfying good things. So let's look for satisfaction in God, not in the world. Anybody know the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? Y'all don't know that song? Y'all are just tired. It's spring break coming up. I get it. How many of you know the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? All right, because I'm not gonna sing it for you. Rolling Stones, right? It's the number one hit. It's listed like in the top 50 of all-time songs. And in this song, what's being articulated is that in this world, you can't get satisfaction. It's being articulated with improper grammar. So if you're an English major and that song annoys you to to no end, that's fine. Um, Gosh, yeah, I can't get no satisfaction. Double negative, look it up, it's all right. What he intends by that 
is nothing in this world satisfies. And that's true. It all promises something it can't deliver on. But God, he will promise you something he can deliver on. All right, we gotta move on to the second section. Verse six, we're gonna see God's character. We see it starts off here with the Lord works righteousness and justice. So take note of that. If you underline your Bible, underline those words, righteousness and justice, because we wanna think about, I wanna think about at least God's mercy and God's grace. I love to focus on God's mercy and his steadfast love and his grace. But God is also a holy God that is combined with a loving God and there is a righteousness and a justice here that is in it. The Lord works righteousness and justice, it says, for all who are oppressed. This is probably referring to the children of Israel who were slaves in Egypt and the Lord heard their cry and sent Moses to deliver them. Because the very next verse says, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. Now, some people make a big deal out of this. I think we can probably make too big a deal out of this. The ways and the acts. Some people see the way the Lord acts and what he does. Others know why he does it and the heart behind it. Perhaps we can make too much of it, but here's what the text says. In verse eight, we get Exodus 34. The Lord is merciful and gracious. God revealed himself to Moses. When he revealed himself to Moses, this verse is quoted over and over and over in the Old Testament. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Amen. I praise the Lord that he is slow to anger. That when I do something wrong, he doesn't just immediately wipe me out because he would be justified in doing so. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide. So even when he is angry with us, he doesn't stay that way forever, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 10, underline it, star it, highlight it. This is one of the reasons we should praise God. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. So here what we see in this section is three of the words that are frequently mentioned for sin. The word sin is there in verse 10, and iniquities, Sin, I miss the mark. Iniquities is a twisting of something. You take something that is good and you twist it. God gives us food, but then we twist it and we become gluttons or we twist it and we look for satisfaction in food. You can name anything that we can twist. We twist everything. So we miss the mark or we twist things in iniquity. And then when you flip over or if maybe on the same page in your Bible, verse 12, he removes our transgressions from us. Those transgressions, when we cross the line, there is a line, we disobey it, we cross it. He also removes that from us. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. This is probably the greatest distance that they would have been able to observe in Old Testament times. In our times, we have telescopes that allow us to observe an even greater distance. And so we understand that when it says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love, that this is an immeasurable amount. You cannot measure the steadfast love of the Lord. But don't skip over those last three words in that verse. Who fear him? That's gonna be repeated. So how is it that we obtain the steadfast love of the Lord? How is it that we obtain the mercy of the Lord? It's for those who fear him. In New Testament language, it's for those who have been saved, redeemed. 
those who have been justified, those who have repented of their sins, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so for those who fear him, and then look at what it says in verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, the sun rising in the east never meets the west. The east and the west are on opposites. And it says, as far as is the east from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So I'll put a comma here. This is one of the points in my applications. If the Lord has forgiven us of our sins and our iniquities, if he does not hold them against us, if he's removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west, then some of us in this room need to get over our past mistakes. Our culture does not like this. Our culture lives in a cancel culture Our culture says you make a mistake, you're done, it's over. But our God says that he's forgiven us and he's put them as far away as the east is from the west. And the devil is putting lies in some of your head that says you'll never be able to serve God because you did X, Y, or Z. You're not worthy of all of this because you've done X, Y, or Z. And I wanna tell you, get over what's happened because the depth of your sin does not compare to the depths of his grace. Let it go, forgive yourself. God has forgiven you. Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion, you see the phrase? To those who fear him. It's repeated again. Now, how many of you had a father who showed you compassion? You get this. Some of you had fathers. How many of you had a father who never showed you (laughs) compassion? You don't have to raise your hand. That's a hard First, if you never had a dad that showed you compassion. I can tell you from being a father that even when kids do something that are wrong, you know, here's the struggle. My kids do something that's wrong and I know I'm supposed to punish them in some way. I know I'm supposed to be consistent with the rules, but I don't want to. Because I would much rather just love on them, have a good time with them, hang out with them, but that's not balancing that righteousness and justice with that mercy and that grace. And, and there are times when they, they come and they confess or there's tears and it's like, it's okay. Because you love them with that amount. You love them so much when they do something that's stupid. You're like, don't do that again, this is stupid. And then they do the stupid thing again and you're like, come on, this is just stupid. Get past this. There are so much greater gifts on the other side of stupidity. Like get past the stupidity. There's good stuff here. Stop taking this good thing and twisting it for something bad or idolizing it instead of God. And let's, let's enjoy the good gifts God has given us. And as a dad, I look down and I see that and I'm like, come on, get your act together. There's good stuff out here. And then I look in the mirror. I wonder how many times does my heavenly father look down at me and say the exact same thing? There are good gifts here for you. Quit being distracted by the trivial things of this world that really don't matter. As a father shows compassion, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He knows our frame. All this is good news for us. He remembers that we are dust. He doesn't think too highly of us. It's a good thing. He has set the bar really low because he knows we're not gonna meet it. As for man, his days are like grass. That's all you are. Oh, you haven't seen me play basketball or you haven't seen my skills. You're grass. 
It won't be long. You're gone. You know what's going to take you out? It's a wind that passes over it and you're gone. That's how worthless we all are. That's how humble we should be. Its place knows it no more. But the comparison here, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Notice again the phrase, it's the third time, on those who fear him. So friend, there's an application here to say, be those who fear him. Be those who have repented of your sin, humbled yourself before him, put your faith and trust in Christ because there are good things waiting for those who have. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandment. Now that's an odd phrase there. So what is that phrase doing? I think that phrase is elaborating on the three mentions of what it means to fear him. What does it mean to fear God? If we truly fear God, then we're gonna be those who keep his covenant. By fear God, it's that reverent all recognizing that he is the almighty and that we are the servant. And so we're gonna keep the covenant to remember to do his commandments. So we praise God, not only for his good benefits to us, we praise God, not only because of his character and how great his character is, but then we also praise God because he is the universal ruler of all. He is the one who is over all. So look at what it says in verse 19 about God's universal reign. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. He is the ruler, there is no other. Humans may try or they may say or they may command other people to say that they are Lord as Caesar did, but there is but one Lord. There is one King of Kings, one Almighty, and his kingdom is over all. And then we return to our refrain in verse 20, bless the Lord. We're not enough. We can't bless the Lord enough because our blessings eventually are gonna have to end. And there's not enough of us. And so it says, bless the Lord, oh, you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Not only that, but bless the Lord, all his host, his ministers, all who do his will. Notice the repetition of all here. His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all of his host, who do all of his works. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Where does the Lord have dominion? Everywhere. There is nowhere that the Lord doesn't have dominion. So the call here of the psalmist is to praise the Lord, to bless the Lord with everything that we have, every fiber of our being within us. And then the call is ours to praise the Lord with all of his angels and all who do his will and all of his creation. All creation cries out and screams to praise the Lord for he's worthy of our praise. And we end with the same phrase we started with. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Friends, you can apply this by fearing the Lord to receive amazing benefits. We've already touched on that. Friends, if God has forgiven your sin, then perhaps you need to get over them too. We've already touched on that. Praise the Lord with every fiber of our being because he is worthy. I think it's time for us to do that through song sung to his praises. So we're gonna have the band come forward as I lead us in prayer. God, help us just to catch a glimpse of how great and gracious and merciful you are. Lord, help us in these moments 
to be encouraged in our souls as we worship you. Lord, you've given us the breath, you've given us the ability. Lord, as we seek to worship you with all that we are, Lord, as we seek to to sing loudly and to sing with every ounce of our will and our reason and our emotion and all that we are, would you accept this as a humble offering of praise to a God who is worthy from a people who are not? For Jesus' glory alone and in his name I pray, amen.